94.7 Kumu Kokua, because Kumu cares. We have the Lieutenant Governor of the State of Hawaii, Dr. Josh Green. Good morning, sir. Good morning. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much. Um, hey, let's start right with uh, you know an issue that is top of mind for a lot of people. Let's talk about that vaccine passport program. And I know we are starting off with the inner island version of it. Can you please help our listeners understand how that'll work? Sure. So I, let me just first say that I appreciate everyone's support on it. And when we use the word vaccine passport, it break, makes a lot of people crazy. It really is, should not be perceived that way. It is an exception to our safe travels rules. Nothing more, nothing less. So right now, if you, as you know, travel between the islands or travel to Hawaii, if you get a pretest within 72 hours, you can avoid the quarantine. This is simply an, ex- an extension of that. If you have finished your vaccine, which is two shots of Pfizer or Moderna or the, the one shot of Johnson Johnson, and then 14 days have passed, on that 15th day, you can simply upload your, a picture of your vaccine card and then not have to do a test. It's not going to take away anyone's civil rights. In fact, it adds some additional uh, capacity to travel, and that's it. So that's the policy, that's the plan. We will do our best to make sure people don't make fraudulent cards. We're not going to um, over-police this. We're not going to discriminate against anyone. It's just another way to demonstrate that you are not positive with COVID. So if you've been fully vaccinated, you don't have COVID. If you have been tested within three days of travel, you very likely do not have COVID. Nothing's perfect, but this is about probabilities and risk. And that's what the program is. So I was able to convince the governor to do that. And after, you know, after May 11th, May 11th and on, we'll be able to at least go back and reunite with our families and do business between the islands and so on. Then come summertime, midsummer, don't have a date yet, we will be able to extend the program to travelers from the mainland And we just want to make sure that, once again, we have, for the most part, the ability to do some spot checks and make sure people aren't faking it. I don't think that they would. I think that people would be crazy to to falsify a federal document just to travel on vacation. But, you know, we'll still be careful. And that's the entirety of the, quote, so-called vaccination passport program. But really, it's just another exception to the, the safe travel program, which has been wildly successful by every account. It has really kept our counts low, and it's, I was in multiple airports this weekend and week, and people are flowing right through. Um, you started to talk about the concerns about fraud. I know the governor, David Ige, has been concerned about the potential for fraud in the program. Can you walk us, do a little bit of a deeper dive to talk about um, what is being done to make sure that fraud doesn't happen? Like, what happens when you upload your card into the Safe Travels app? Is anyone on the other end doing any kind of confirmation with the databases? You said spot checking. Does that mean not every uh, upload will be checked? Well, there's a computer algorithm and artificial intelligence that looks at the card and is able to verify some things on the card. Mm. And we also have a lot of capacity anytime there's any red flags to go and dig in deep, especially for our own members, because we can access the VAM system and just see if someone did or didn't get vaccinated. It's not meant to be a violation of anyone's uh, privacy or, or, or their, you know, their personal information because people are actually openly sharing it. They've already in an open way asked that their personal information be shared to verify they've been vaccinated very different than going in and checking whether or not someone has a disease or someone has 
um, something that would be that you might discriminate against, God forbid. But this this is really just a verification process. In the future, we're very hopeful that some of our partners will be able to simply have the computers check whether or not that batch of, of vaccines were given and they were given to people from that region or that individual. And it just gives you a QR code, just like we've been doing. Uh, I would say it's massive overkill, honestly, because my estimation is at worst, if one out of 100, at worst, if one out of 100 people fake this, and at the same time, the, the likelihood of someone having COVID is about one out of 1,200 right now. now. Now you're talking about one out of about 120,000 people would, would be messing around and having COVID. That number is going to be at one or two cases a week. That's not something that we want to stop tourism over or to, you know, to overspend on resources. But this is a unique time with COVID. Everyone has been very, very sensitive appropriately. So when I'm asked to do something um, and provide some extra security or support, I do it. If I were completely just building a program from scratch, uh, there might be some small changes I would make or some small policy adjustments I would make. But erring on the side of safety is good. So we've been doing that, as you know, with the lab test, checking people. We have actually caught a very small number of people trying to falsify a test. Uh, and so we caught them, and they've, they've been charged with a crime. This case, in this, in this case, if we see a card that looks very fishy, we'll also pull it out and spend a lot of extra effort. But I don't think people should be dwelling on whether or not a few rogue people falsify a vaccine record. I think it's much more important to focus on good public health, mask wearing, the fact that we are keeping our clusters down. All of those things have a much greater impact on our safety rather than weeding out the few that are silly enough to to go and buy a fake card. You kind of uh, address some of these issues that uh, protesters have raised about uh, the vaccine passport and uh, just want to reiterate some of them and then maybe you can address some of this a little bit more. So, you know, we had some some protests this week by some people who were concerned that uh, the uh, that this program uh, is an invasion of privacy or encourages discrimination against people who don't want vaccines. Can you uh, address that? Although it's really just inflammatory uh, controversy and conflict. But um, let me be clear, that's not the focus. Mm. A few people may complain about that. There already are longstanding, longstanding policies about needing to protect public health. We get measles, mumps, rubella shots for our kids before they go to school. We get shots to protect meningitis for our schools. Do people want to stop doing that and allow massive outbreaks of meningitis, which cause death, blindness, deafness among our children? No way. No way. So that is already a big part of society. Travel to many nations requires a vaccination for different things so that you can't spread yellow fever or other diseases that can be very lethal. So obviously, because we live in a global society where we impact other people's health, we have to have some safeguards. This disease, when running rampant, shuts down society. It caused significant numbers of fatalities and lots of illness and lots of long-term chronic disease. So when people just, they're saying that this is a violation of their privacy, it's a totally optional program, totally optional. So that is nonsense. It's an anti-vaccination position for the most part, and that's okay. 
I've never, I've never demonized anyone for not wanting to be vaccinated. That's totally their choice. And they can still, in an individual in that category, go do the pretest. If, if they really wanted to have a genuine protest and be thoughtful about that, what they would be protesting is any restrictions. And some people did protest that, and that I can respect. But protesting other people's need to be vaccinated and then using fear tactics is not acceptable. And that's what this kind of conflict uh, rises. We're already talking about fraudulent cards, conflicts because people say we're taking away their civil rights, which we're actually adding more capacity, as opposed to the actual benefit of reducing cases or opening up society so people have revenues so they can afford health care or housing or food. So I know it's fun to talk about that kind of thing because it, it ends up in a big fight and people are yelling at each other. But try telling that to somebody who hasn't seen their grandkids in a year and a half. Try telling that to someone whose business has closed because of restrictions that are necessary to prevent spread. Try telling that to someone who has their grandfather or grandmother who died of COVID because people just refuse to wear masks to the protest. So really, that's made for TV BS. And I think it's much better to focus on the positives and still be respectful of people who don't want to get vaccinated. I will always be respectful, but I will not acknowledge the value of, of uh, conflict just to make a point that people don't want to have public health safety measures in place. Okay. Thank you very much, Lieutenant Governor. Uh, in line with the travel uh, thing that we we're talking about, uh, Trans-Pacific travel, uh, are we going to be doing something for that soon? Do you expect it to start soon? I do. I think that's midsummer. It, at best, it would be, I believe, after July 4th weekend, because we had a very combustible July 4th. That mm-hmm. was a problem last year. Mm-hmm. And I don't think the gov is inclined to take any risks at all. And I understand that summer is always a very big season for us. We're not going to allow ourselves to take extra risk for spread. However, we do have the safe travels program up and working well. We've now, you know, we're averaging more like 20, 22,000 people a day and that's been a big increase in travel without a surge at all in cases our our case count average is 79.7 as of yesterday and if you flash back to um you know to the beginning of the year after the holidays it was much higher it was 139.7 so we're we're lower right now by far our positivity rates under 1.5 percent that was over 3.5 percent back in the day after the holidays so we can open up I'm going to guess if I had to venture a guess, and this is not, this is not for, for, you know, don't take this to the bank, but I would not be surprised if like sometime around July 6th or 7th after the holiday that we are able to extend this, uh, this travel exception, AKA a a vaccine passport um, to, to, you know, mainland travelers. It's funny because I was, I was at a restaurant last night and I was sitting next to John Hamm who was the star of uh, Mad Men. Mm -hmm. Really nice. We had, you know, about a half hour to talk and hang out. And he and I talked about the policy. He was very interested in how it would be because he was traveling with four other people, really cool people. Uh, He just finished filming Top Gun, actually, which is neat. Uh, And so we talked about Tom Cruise. And then we talked about uh, the travel exception. And we talked about safety and how, how grateful he was that he was on vacation in Maui, with you know, just a, in a beautiful place. And he didn't feel that he was at risk because a lot of good precautions were in place, including safe travel. So it was a fascinating 
experience to talk to someone like that and to hear their perspective of our program. But regular people need to be able to travel here also. And, you know, for a movie star, it's not a big deal to pay the 100 bucks or maybe even five of them to pay, you know, 500 bucks for tests. But when it's a family of four or five and they've got kids and, and they want to travel to Hawaii for their once-in-a-lifetime vacation, if they're immune, if they've been vaccinated, we, we need to start moving towards that scientific and analytical place. There may be protests. All I'm really interested in keeping uh, is in keeping COVID from spreading and getting us open. That really, that means so much more to me. Thank you very much, uh, Lieutenant Governor. Appreciate it. Uh, one quick follow-up uh, with regards to uh, foreign travel, because we've, we're having an explosion in cases uh, abroad. Uh, where do you foresee that happening? That's after. I would say that'll be last. Um, it's, uh, boy, it, that's probably in the fall. Right now, there have been surges in cases in a lot of countries that we, we get a lot of travelers from. Mm-hmm. That will be even for us to verify. So I'd say you should look at this in terms of three phases. Phase one is allowing ourselves to use uh, our vaccine cards to travel inter-island, inter-county. That's phase one. Phase two will be from CONUS travel, you know, um, mainland travel. And then phase three would be international travel after that. And I, I would not be surprised if it's six to eight weeks in between each uh, iteration of the plan. So, you know, we, we're taking our time Meanwhile, we still don't really have much in the way of travel from other countries, even with a pretest. It's very, very rare. So we're, we're holding on. Our economy is recovering. Our numbers are recovering. But until we get the, uh, the Japanese travel base back and until we get, you know, to a place where we have full herd immunity, I think everyone's still going to be on the edge. Okay. Thank All you right. very much, Senator Governor. People are asking why why the wait? Like, what has to be accomplished? You were talking about six to eight weeks between, you know, we're starting off with Inner Island, six to eight weeks later, uh, perhaps U.S. travel, six to eight weeks later, perhaps, um, you know, with uh, international travel. What is happening in those periods? Are you guys trying to get partners online with Hawaii's program? Are you looking at the patterns, you know, the data for how many people are legitimately coming through the program? What, what is happening in those periods? Well, there's, there's two things that are happening fundamentally. It's a very good question. The first question is how many people have been vaccinated across the globe and in our country? So the very nature of getting to a place where 60, then 70, then 80 percent of a society is vaccinated will decrease the risk of either fraud or people not being a vaccinated traveler. So there's that. We were at 35 or 36 percent of our state vaccinated uh this week only. So it's going up about maybe 4% a week. And that's the case for the nation too. So that's happening, which makes our program safer and it makes it more reliable to use the vaccine cards as a way to travel. And then also behind the scenes, the machinery of verifying. So we are having a lot of work done by partners that can uh, quickly through databases verify that 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 vaccine did incur occur for a person. And there are companies that they get approval to to just cross uh, cross reference a person's name and their birth date and whether or not they were vaccinated. It's kept confidential the information, and they get a QR code. It's at the request essentially of the traveler. The traveler is authorizing it by the virtue of asking to travel and use this vaccine card to to travel. So it's not really an imposition on their freedom. They've asked for their privacy. They've asked for this, you know 
this opportunity to use that instead of having to go get a pretest. And so that's really what's happening. And I, you know, I think it's the tech thing. I still like the old fashioned way quite a lot. I think people are smart. They can use their eyes and, and see when something is fraudulent or not. And it's, you know, it's pretty rare. It's rare that people will, will defraud someone just for a vacation. Not, not impossible to imagine, but rare. And then the fact that they would not likely be infectious either or positive is another benefit. But, you know, that's the process. And I think that it may be that we uh, that we simply use our own abilities to screen people at the airport by looking at the cards. And only when there's a real clear problem that we go back and do a detailed deep dive. But these are the questions that are getting asked right now. And the Gov likes to go uh, a little bit conservatively on these things. I think that what we did is we convinced them that since we in, in the state know what our data looks like, we can control this. And we wanted really to do something for our local residents in a positive way. We don't discriminate between people, but our local residents have gone through a full process of lockdown and so on. So restoring uh, inter-county travel for us was critical. Okay. Thank you very much, Lieutenant Governor Josh Green, joining us here. Lieutenant Governor, how are we doing with the vaccination? We're doing great. Uh, we are, as of uh, yesterday morning, 1,105,651, up 17,997. I am expecting we'll see a similar number. I was in Hilo on Monday and yesterday on Maui checking out their their vaccine sites. They're doing a great job both places. They're, they're doing hundreds and hundreds of people at each pod uh, each day. Lots and lots of young people are now starting to sign up because they're able to. They see the benefit about travel and, and going back to college and getting back to work with low risk. So by opening up to under 50 a couple of weeks ago on the neighbor islands and then last or this week, actually Monday, for our, our under 50-year-old people, it's happening. There will be some vaccine hesitancy for sure. There always is. We only need to touch about 2 million shots total to have the whole state uh, sufficiently immune. Okay. Uh, Senator Governor, uh, the Hawaii News Now is reporting that hundreds of thousands, uh, there were hundreds to thousands of open appointments are happening across the site, uh, across the state. Uh, is there a way they're going to remedy that? Are you hearing anything about that? Uh, it's just a match of people to the sites. It's really uh, it's something that people just have to search out. There are a lot of areas where most people have already been vaccinated. Some of the neighbor islands, there's already been a pretty substantial number of um of older people that are vaccinated and only now people are reaching the sign up. You should go to, uh, if you if you can't find a spot, by the way, go to the pharmacies because they've had a lot of extra doses, CVS, Walgreens, Safeway, and so on. But I would say what you're gonna see is a minor contraction of the number of sites in the coming weeks because we can be more focused and you're gonna have the local pharmacies in all of our communities. I think you'll see a lot more walk-ins. That's very effective for people, people like that. There's a number of, of challenges. I, I'm, not, I'm not sure if people are aware of this, but uh, a lot of people in society don't use computers like like the millennial generation all day long, all the, you know, 24/7. So, you know, signing up for some of this stuff is not as easy for for older people, or it's just not a part of people's lives. I'm out every day walking around. People, a lot of people tell me, "Hey, I'd love to text you, but I just don't do texting, or I'd love to watch your Instagram, I just don't do social media." And it always amazes me, but I respect it. And they just like talking in person. And I think that's going to be the case with the vaccine, too. People are just going to want to show up in person and sign up. 
everyone has an ID, so that will be pretty easy, or most people do. But that's going to be, you know, another strategic move for us. We will even do outreach with mobile uh, mobile vaccine vans. Is my my guess that we'll do a lot of that. So all of these things are valuable. I would just encourage people if they feel comfortable getting the vaccine, do it. And if they don't feel totally comfortable, talk to a friend that has been vaccinated and see what their experience was. Because most people have had a pretty normal, benign experience. My wife, Jamie, got vaccinated. You know, she had some ache in her arm. And she, like me, I had no side effects almost at all. We're grateful that we now don't have to worry about catching COVID. These are the, these are the ways to do it. Speak your, with your significant others and your cousins and your friends. And that's how we get to the last, you know, last few people. Why you got to brag for Lieutenant Governor? As <laughs> me and I both got knocked out by our second shot. <laughs> like, Lieutenant Governor's like, oh, me and Jamie, we were good. <laughs> I'm like, thanks. Thanks a lot. <laughs> I got knocked on my butt for two days. The whole time that I was knocked on my butt, literally, um, I kept thinking that, you know, even though it felt bad, it, it was still better than possibly catching COVID-19 and, mm-hmm. you know, going to the hospital yep. and, or worse, you know. So I was grateful for that. I also was uh, able to get my shots in time to see my grandmother before she passed away this week. So I'm very, very grateful. Yeah. See, that's these are the things that some of these moments are coming and some of them pass us by, mm-hmm. whether it's a graduation or saying goodbye to our, our tutu or, you know, or the first birthday party that we can't have because we can't gather in big numbers. I mean, these are things that when I when I'm promoting the vaccination, it's not just to be safe, which it is, and healthy, which it is, but also because the sooner we get there, the fewer of these big moments, these critical times in life, fewer of them will pass us by. And I, I hope people realize that, that we are in this together. If, if let's say, only 65% of our society ultimately gets vaccinated and we still have some outbreaks, it would be that much longer before, you know, before the mayors decide that they are comfortable fully opening up. Uh, and it'll be longer before the governor authorizes that. So there are consequences for how we how we uh, interface with our, our friends. So that's my appeal to people to consider the greater good, but do it sensibly. And I will still respect you, of course, if, if you don't make that choice, if it's a deeply personal choice that you make not to be vaccinated. But think about how great it would have been if, you know, if we had full immunity by June 1st in time for a full summer and school getting back without any hitches and college kids coming and going comfortably seeing their parents before going back. I mean, those are the, those are the things I want to see hospitals and nursing homes open up again so people can hug each other, restaurants thriving. That's, that's what it takes. I mean, it, it takes a concerted effort from all society to get there. All right. Thank you. Uh, we're talking with Lieutenant Governor Josh Green. Um, Lieutenant Governor, you uh, actually had just alluded to needing the, you know, the approval of the mayors, of course, for us to be able to continue to progress. And that, that brings me to a question I wanted to ask you about the tier system. Do you support revising the tier system so that uh, we would be able to stay in tier three at this rate of cases? Yes, I uh, I think the mayors are going to. Uh, relax things a little bit gradually. And I think that the tier system decision that was made was was adequately safe. I'm speaking specifically about the one on Oahu. It was really on the kind of on the fence. We were at a crossroads, but because we had just about a million people vaccinated already at that time, 
we had extra protection as compared to three or four months ago. So it was a different comparison. Now, here again, four weeks later, we're, number one, having even lower rates. Our Oahu rates have been dropping steadily. Our positivity rate is fine. And to tell you the truth, so many more people are vaccinated. We've seen actually a change in the trajectory of this disease. We're now just seeing more young people catch it and have less severe disease. So I don't think we're going back to Tier 2 unless there's a strange and sudden outbreak or a, 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 a an unexpected variant comes through that we can't manage with our vaccine, I think that we're beginning to be in the clear. And I think we're much more likely to go to tier four and beyond than back to tier two at this point. Okay, Interesting. Uh, Lieutenant Governor, just real quick uh, as a follow-up. So you run into a young person who tells you, Lieutenant Governor, I don't think I need to get vaccinated because I'm young and if I catch it, I'm not going to catch it very badly. And my grandma is already vaccinated. So no need, right? Uh, no, there is a reason to be vaccinated if you're young. Uh, it's, it's less risky if you catch the disease, but a couple things. Number one, remember your, your grandparents, though vaccinated, are not guaranteed to be immune. It's usually about 95% immunity. So one out of 20 grandparents who got their shots will not have full immunity, number one. Two, if you, if you look at society and just too few people get vaccinated, or immune from having the disease, there will still be outbreaks and still spread over time. So everyone's contributing to the common good if, if they get vaccinated. And then three, it's true that younger people may not have severe disease, but anyone who gets vaccinated, once they've had their shot, has a less severe disease. So you're even saving yourself more trouble against being very sick. And I'll tell you this, on, on Maui yesterday, one of the intensive care unit nurses who I spoke with spoke very tearfully about how they had someone in their early 40s uh, about ready to pass away who had, you know, had been on a ventilator and who's likely going to die. Maybe they'll make it through, but they probably aren't. Very young person who caught COVID and really could have prevented that. So there's lots of reasons to get vaccinated. There's very few not to. Again, I'll respect people's prerogative and their belief system always. Uh, but in this particular case, we're talking about nothing much more than getting a glorified glorified flu shot and had very, very few side effects or problems with it. And it has really changed how we're doing in Hawaii. We're much safer. Our average case count's lower. Our hospital count is, is less than half of what it was just three or four months ago. And we're doing better. So consider it, everyone. You know, if you're young, get it, I think. Young, young people, I'm now starting to vaccinate some 17-year-olds, 16-year-olds with the Pfizer. They're leading the charge uh, on social media and with their friends because they just want to be able to go about their lives, have, have parties and gatherings where they're all vaccinated and therefore they don't really need to wear masks. These kind of things are um, they're life changers. They want to get back to their graduations. They want to get back to school in person. And I think that everyone, though it's not going to be mandatory, everyone benefits when you know, when we see a lot of other people get their shots. So strongly consider it. I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to ride people. I'm, you know, I'm trying to be a, you know, a thoughtful lieutenant governor, but I know there are some who would prefer to see it be mandatory. I think it's better to come to the point where we just, you know, we just work together and, and share our experience because I think that in general, our ohanas here are, you know, using that value 
to protect Hawaii better than anywhere else. Remember, we still have the lowest rate of COVID in the country, lowest mortality rate, and we're third best on vaccine delivery, according to Johns Hopkins. So, you know, we're, we're kicking it uh, back pretty well. We're, we're doing well, but I would love to you know, come on the show in a few weeks and be able to say we're at 70 percent, we're at 73 percent vaccinated. That's going to be great times. All right. I hope so, too. Really fast. Last question. Uh, we are hearing rumblings that, you know, the CDC is looking at revising mask guidance and uh, some health experts are uh, calling for mask restrictions to be eased for outdoor activities. What are you hearing is going to come out of the CDC and where do you stand on it? Well, I do look forward to the time that that's the uh, restriction that's lifted. That's in my mind, just as a person, I, I think that that will be the most liberating first major uh, clawback of restrictions, which is that we can go out comfortably without masks on if we're outdoors. And then, of course, if we happen to settle into a conversation up close with somebody that we don't know, we don't know if they're vaccinated, sure, we'll probably toss a mask on. That's just common sense. That's going to be great. I hope that they get there. I don't have any inside information in this particular uh, case. I often do, but I, I don't on this one. <laughs> my, my personal expectation is that once we touch herd immunity, that Well, I'll tell you, I will be recommending that we do um, remove the necessary requirement to wear masks outdoors if we're exercising or with others uh, if we're outside, once we have herd immunity in the state. I think that that is a reasonable uh, policy position to take. So I'll start pushing that, but I don't want to get ahead of myself because we're still a couple months away from that at least. Okay. Thank you very much, Lieutenant Governor. We appreciate you spending this time with us as always. Thanks.